0: Often thought as we had uh, mentioned for us around the Lord's table, the idea of Jesus at, at a young age and, and the wisdom of which he obviously spoke, and, and the questions that he asked, and the answers that were given. Often thought that uh, Jesus could have very well fulfilled exactly what they wanted him to fulfill when it came to being the Messiah. That Jesus could have done exactly what they wanted him to do, and, and he could have been a king, he could have uh, led in, in great wealth and wisdom and brought Israel to a point that it had never been in the whole point of its history until that moment. He probably could have done that at 12 years old. Because that's what they wanted. They wanted a king. Think of the temptation that that must have been. Do you ever ever feel like you're smart when you know the answer to something and nobody else does? Right, there's just a little bit of pride that kind of runs through us and we we know the answer and nobody else does. Here's Jesus at 12 with all of this power, all of this knowledge, all of this wisdom there was a temptation there to just take over. And even at 12 he does what? The will of the one who sent him until it leads to a ministry, until it leads to even unto death doing the will of God. You and I we get to be uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to be uh, uh, members of the church. And I sometimes cringe at the, at the saying of the members of the church because I think we, we look at it then as kind of a, a club that we're a part of. Uh, like we would be a, a part of a, a golf club or something like that. But that's not really what it is. It's, it's ushered in through the, through the blood of Jesus. We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of something greater than ourselves. Something better than what we are by ourselves. We get to rejoice with our brothers and sisters around us. We get to rejoice when one is called out of darkness and into light. We get to rejoice when one who comes into a relationship with God, who had previously been lost and aside from a relationship with God. So I hope everyone here understands that they have a need to be at peace with God. In order to be a part of that, in in order to be a part of this uh, body of believers, we all have to have this relationship with God that is being at peace with God, and that comes through Jesus Christ. And if you have done that, then you know the call that has been placed on you to live a life according to then the will of God, as Christ did. That we have this call placed on us not to live in a worldly sense, not to just go out with reckless abandon and do whatever we want or whatever we see fit, even in the name of good or in the name of righteousness, but we live according to God's will. And there will come a time when we'll be judged on the actions that we choose to do. Even as Christians, we will stand before God and give an account of all of our life. Will it be according to the will of God? And if you haven't yet then given your life to God, then you have to make a decision. You have to make a choice and understand that God cannot be tricked. He cannot be lied to. He cannot be mocked. He cannot be deceived. We can't pretend and fool God. If we are living a life that is without uh, an honest, true, biblical relationship with God, then God also will judge us for those things. And that judgment will lead to an eternal separation from God which is an eternal death. And so we have to, we have to make a choice. We have, to, we have to understand these things. We have to know the value of life. We have to be aware of what God is calling us to. And then understand that the choices we make, the choices that we are given, are important. And so that we make godly choices that are in line with the will of God. If we want to be a, a part of the body of believers. If we want to be able to stand before God in all confidence, knowing that it is his son who washes us clean. Often uh, when I get the mail, I don't know if this is true for your mailbox, I'm pretty sure it is, but whenever I get the, the, the mail at home or the church's mail, 95% of it is junk mail. If not more than 95%. Don't That that don't quote me on that, I haven't actually done the math on how many what percentage is junk mail but it seems like a lot and most of that I don't know what you guys do with your junk mail but most of that goes from the mailbox to my hand to the I'll say recycling it's a black bag that's in a garbage can um, it goes into the recycling uh, almost instantly because I'm tired of looking at it because over the course of how many years none of it is worth anything it's just garbage or recycling Recycling and uh, that's where that goes The other day I uh, got the junk mail because there was no actual mail there It was just all junk mail and uh, one caught my eye And so it's still sitting on my desk and it got a reprieve from the recycling for now And the reason that it caught my eye because it said on it future member. That's who it was addressed to Like they were so confident that I was going to sign up for their product that it said future member on and I chuckled at that because There's absolutely no way that I was signing up for that. But I kept it because just of that. So congratulations, marketing department. You got me to keep your junk mail. But I kept it because it said future member. And like I said, there was absolutely no way I was signing up for it. It was CAA, if you're wondering. And I thought, I've never needed CAA in my entire life. I'm never going to need it now. Over the course of the last week, I wish I'd signed up. They said future member, and they they were right. I should have been a future member. We I'm we are now. Tammy and I are um, members, card-carrying members of CAA because we had a need for CAA. And yet, I I would have never given any thought to signing up for that, except for what said future member. And I and I held it on my desk, thinking, Well, I'll sign up for this. This is a good deal. I better I better do this because you know you caught my attention. Way to go. And then I I let it slide. I let it slide and it was a really good deal I let it slide and then when we went to sign up there was no deal anymore and so we just had to pay the outright price I wish I'd signed up if only I had known in the days leading up that I was going to need it what would I have done two memberships for like $89 I mean honestly what would I have done I would have signed up if I would known I was going to need it but I didn't to my shame, I didn't. What does, uh, what does your future hold? Do you know? Do you know what uh, this afternoon's gonna bring? Do you have plans? You probably have plans for this afternoon, right? So you're, you're preparing for what you think the future holds, for even the short-sighted future as if it's this afternoon or this evening or maybe even tomorrow or within a week. But what does your future hold? Do we, do we know what's going to happen this afternoon? Not really. I mean, we, we anticipate that it will go uh, similar to how the rest of our life has gone, that it will unfold, right? That we will have this afternoon and we'll have this evening and there will be a tomorrow or there will be a day after that. Uh, and, or there will be a next week or a next month or a next year. We, we anticipate that because God has promised us that as long as life goes, those things will happen until his return, right? or until, or until our lives are, are taken so we make plans, right? we make, uh, we make uh, temporary plans you know, like, okay, well, well, we'll do this maybe this afternoon we make more concrete plans we plan for things ahead, right? so if we're, if we're going to go on a trip what do we do? you plan ahead unless you're a real spur of the moment person right? and there's a few of you out there right? a few of you Spur of the moment, people. The rest are, no, I'm going to pack like a week in advance and I'm going to count out everything out and this is what I'm going to do and I have this money and, the, and the, you're the planners. The rest of us that kind of fall in the middle are kind of planned, not really. But we make plans, right? If you're going on a trip, if you're, if you're going to buy a new house, if you're going to get married, right? You're going you're gonna to make plans. This is like your year, guys, unfolding right here. Uh, you're going to make plans for these things, Right? And so we have these plans. What happens when they don't uh, come to fruition? What happens if we get into the unknown? Because our future holds a lot of that as well, doesn't it? Think back at your last uh, month, last year. How much of what you had to deal with wasn't planned? How much of it was different, different or, or more difficult than you anticipated? So what do we do? What do we do with this future that we don't really know what it holds? And and yet knowing that we can make plans, but that they won't really be concrete until that exact moment. Do we fear the unknown? Can we handle the unknown? Well, the answer to that question of whether or not we can handle the unknown is is a yes, we can. The question is, will we? Will we handle uh, the unknown? Will we be able to, to deal with? Uh, What comes our way that is unexpected. No matter what uh, our future holds, it cannot and will not tear us away from faith. Do you understand that? That no matter what happens in the unknown, no matter what happens in the future, it cannot of itself tear us away from a relationship with God. It cannot separate us from God's love. And how many times have you heard me read Romans chapter 8, the end of Romans chapter 8? Enough to know that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? So we do not have to then fear the unknown because we can know that we can have faith throughout, that we can have a relationship with God throughout. It It cannot break us away from God. But we have to be prepared for it nonetheless. We have to be prepared for the unknown. That sounds feasible, right? Sounds great. But we have to be prepared. We have to know that even no matter what happens, that we can have faith, that we can live for God, that we can continue to do the will of God, and it will not take us away. Can you accept what comes your way in faith? Uh, last, last week, we did a, in the afternoon, we did a lesson on Joseph. And it wasn't that long ago that we did lessons for quite a while on Job. And those aren't the only two characters in scripture that, that have to understand that they continue on in faith. But think of Joseph or think of Job and how their life unfolded. Do you think they wanted all the things that happened to them to happen to them? Do you think that's what their plan? Do you think that's what they wanted life to look like? Having lost everything in the case of Job? Being sold into slavery by your brothers in the case of Joseph? And yet how did they live when those things happened? Did they blame God? Did they turn away from God? Or did they continue on? Was there an acceptance that no matter what happens, I can live for God? Well, that's what we have to be able to do. Because we don't know what our future holds. We have to be able to do that. We have to be able to hold on to our faith and know that even though it is tested, even though it will be tried, that we can get through this. That God will not give us anything that will break us or tear us away. We will have to persevere and keep our faith and to continue to live and do the will of our God. Our our God, the one and only God, the creator of all things, the Alpha and the Omega, who has a plan for you. So even though it seems like all of these things that are coming our way are unknown and, and sometimes difficult, we have to understand that God has a plan for us. What is God's plan for you? You ever thought about that? begin to question that and and try to delve into the the meat of that, of what God has planned for you, what it looks like, and how you're not only looking at that, but how you're fulfilling that. What what are we doing to fulfill the plan that God has for us? What in in your life, what actions, what words are you taking, what, what things are you doing in order to further this plan that God has specifically for you as one of his children. Turn into Ephesians chapter 2. It says, As for you, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then it repeats, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of yourselves, it is the work of God, or it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What has God planned for you? very clear here, it says, if you caught the last part, that God has prepared in advance for you to do good work. God knows you. God created you. If you look through that whole passage, God knows you, he created you, he saw you in your sin, he reached out and has offered this this path, this avenue in which you can be saved, he has restored you and has prepared in advance works for you to do. And if we look at our lives in specifics, if we look at our lives in the reality of our lives and not just in general terms, we know that there are a multitude of wonderful things that we can be doing. And for all, us, it might be different depending on uh, our friends, or, or our work, or what we do, or, or, or our abilities, or our talents. But there are works that God has prepared for you to do. So whether that, is, uh, whether that is teaching, or preaching, or sharing, or giving, or encouraging, all of those things and more, God has prepared in advance for you to do. So the question is, the reality is that we have to look at that and figure out then, how do I apply myself in those areas? What has God given me that I can do? What is around me that I can work with? Because God has called us to do good works. And we have to be looking as a body of believers specifically and saying, well, what is it then that I can do to serve God? Not just in general terms to say, well, I am a servant of God, And if we were to write a list of the specific things that we do to serve God, it would take us a while. But specifically, this is what I do in service of God. And again, those lists might look different. Because we're unique and different. But Hopefully we are serving our God. I think also then, as we we think about specifics, that there are also some general things that we need to look at that are building blocks uh, for all of us. And that is, uh, first off, to be holy. If we want to work for God, if we want to get into the specifics of what God's uh, call or plan for us in our lives is, that we better be building on this idea that what we are doing is holy. That it is right and good and true. That it is pleasing to God. Because God has called us in all things to be holy as he is holy. Turn into First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13. Just read a couple verses here. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy. Because I am holy. So we are to be holy in all that we do. In a way that God is holy. This is the high standard that God has set for us. And it is an incredibly high standard, is it not? To be holy because He is holy. To be holy as He is holy. To be holy in all that we do. It is an incredibly high standard. That we strive for and should strive for each and every day. And not look at it and say, "Well, that's a lot of work. Or, that's that bar is set a little high. I'll just kind of pretend." Have you ever seen? Uh, have you ever seen someone try to uh, do high jump that can't do high jump? If you ever go and watch the uh, the track meets at the at the schools, you'll see some kids that. Are, are there because they've been told they have to be there, and it's their grade, and so they have absolutely no interest in jumping that bar, no matter how high or low it is, and they just run right through it. Just okay, I'm done. I'm out. Good, few. It's over. The bar is set too high, so I won't. I won't attempt it. I won't try it. That's not. That's not what we're saying here. The bar is set incredibly high because God wants us. To attain, And God wants us to try. God wants us to strive to be everything that he has called us to be. That we are holy because he has washed us clean. That we can live this life in him so we can be holy because he is holy. This is one of the, the no matter what we look at in specifics, this is one of the foundations that we have to strive for. Also, he has called us to love. And if we look through the New Testament, When asked again and again, what are the greatest commands? Jesus replied, what? Love, okay? Love, love, love. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. We are to love the world around us. We're to love our enemies. We're to love those who, who hate us, those who persecute us, those who ridicule us. Is that easy? Is that the natural response you want to to give when someone ridicules you, mocks you, looks down at you, hates you? I think our our worldly natural instinct is to do something similar in response. God has called us to love. Why? Well, who is love? Who is the epitome of what what love actually is? God is love. He's calling us again to a standard of of what he is. And so we are to love, to love those around us, to love our enemies, to love God, to love our neighbor. Not just to love those who love us, but to love all people with the love that God has given us. Again, the bar is set high. And we as his children are to strive toward it, to attain it, to love. He's also called us to deny the world passage we just read in First Peter tells us, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Turn into Romans. In Romans chapter 12, it'll tell us uh, much the same. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now when we take these three three things and we begin to look at them as somewhat of a foundation on all the specific things that we are to do, we understand, do we not, how important it is that these are not just things written on pages or written on screens that we can look at, but they are a part of our lives that there is an application that is needed for how we live what is it to be holy what is it to love what is it to deny the things of the world how does that look in your life again what are we doing to actually cement these things as a part of who we are Because it is one thing to say, well, God wants me to love, or God wants me to have uh, this idea of being holy, or God wants me to deny the world, and then leave this place and live according to the world. That will tell you that it's okay. It's okay to live according to the world and still go to church on Sundays. And that's enough. You've done enough if you sat in the pew on Sunday morning. even better if you have your own spot, right? Man, I've been coming here so long, i got my own spot. Well, That has nothing to do with it. We could get rid of all of these pews and sit on the ground. Some of us don't get up very well off the ground, but we could do that. We could take all the pews and sit on the ground, and still the call would not be us for us just to sit here. Someone told me the other day that as they sat down in a recliner, man, we need these at church. And I said, if you sat down in that, you might not ever get up. Just be too comfortable. But we need to apply. We need to apply the truth that is in God's word. And that's why we come, is it not? To hear the truth spoken of God's word, to learn more about it, to sing praises to our God, to encourage those around us. Not just so that we get our names checked off at the attendance. not not the goal. But to apply these things to be holy, to love, to deny the world. So what does that look like in your life? There will be temptation to disregard all of these things. There will be temptation to disregard the truth of God's word. But God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you to do his will, to be his child and to receive a reward. To walk the narrow path and know that there is a prize at the end. When will that happen? Well, you already know the answer to that because you already knew the answer to that, but also because it's written on the board behind me. When will that happen? The day and the hour are unknown. We don't know. We have no idea. No clue as to when that will happen, do we? Do sometimes we wish we did? I think sometimes we think we wish we did. But I'm sure glad we don't. What would happen if we knew? What would happen if you knew that Christ wasn't going to return for, let's say, another hundred years? What would happen? Or another thousand years? Another ten thousand? Whatever the number. What would happen? What would begin to creep into our mindset? Well, for those of you who are uh, planners, as we talked about earlier, uh, if you know you're going on a trip in a year, are you planning now? Maybe in bits, pieces. But you're not packing your clothes, right? Because you probably want to wear those clothes from sometime in the next year. You're going to wait, right? You're going to wait until the appropriate time, just, just before your trip, to begin to really in earnest plan for that trip. Right? From for the most part that's what we would do. Now, we may some of the few things we may make sure we have our passport or we might make sure we have the plane ticket or a few other things we might dabble just a little bit in the planning, but we will do it in earnest right before the trip. So if we knew that Christ wasn't coming back for another 100 years, what would we do? What would be the temptation to do? Oh man, I got time. I got time, I'll just chill out and relax here for a while. Just breathe, it's a hundred years away. But the hour being unknown, the day being unknown, teaches us what lesson. As scripture tells us it's like a thief in the night. And so you have to be prepared at all times because the reality is, is not only are we preparing for the coming of Christ, but there is also another thing that could happen, is there not? How much life are we guaranteed? we are guaranteed this moment and after that what so we have to be prepared as we look at this day that Christ is coming this this preparation that we need we have to be prepared for Christ's return and even though it is unknown we can still prepare we have to be prepared so what are we doing then to prepare are we living in, in holiness and love? Are we denying the world? Are we living in faith? Are we preparing for Christ's return? Are we teaching? Are we sharing? Are we baptizing? Are we living according to the will of God? Are we prepared for the thief that will come? Even though the day and the hour is unknown, uh, there is still hope. We do not have to wonder We do not have to think to ourselves, oh no, I don't know when it's going to happen. There is still hope. Because God has told us that this will happen. We can live for him in hope and in love. We can be ambassadors of God's love in this world. We can be ambassadors of the gospel in this world. We can be teaching and sharing. We can still be doing all that God has called us to do. Because our future is guaranteed. How good is a guarantee? Now, if some, uh, someone who's going to trick you or lie to you says, Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about this product. I'll give you a, a full money-back guarantee, never to be seen again. How good was their guarantee? meant nothing, right? meant absolutely nothing. The guarantee is, is solely based on the one who gives it. Because there's products that have guarantees, and you call that number, right? And what happens? You, you end up talking to someone, and then they say okay, let me just put you on hold for a second. And a second means what? They may even say let me put you on hold for a minute. And a minute means what? Their minutes seem to be different than my minutes. Because they'll put you on hold for an hour. And then they come back on and say, well, you know, I've got to transfer you to another department. And you're like, no, 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 no. No, don't do it. They transfer you to another department, what do they do? Oh, okay, just on a second. We'll figure this out. I'll just put you on hold for a minute. But I was already on hold for, like, no. And then you just by the time you're done with the four or five hours of figuring out their guarantee, you just forget it. Most people just hang out. So the guarantee is useless unless the one who gives it is true, right? Who is honorable, faithful, just. Who gives us our guarantee in the hope that we have in God? Who gives us that guarantee? It is God Himself. He gives us his word that when we are his children when we live in faith and we live in hope and love when we believe and are obedient to the gospel when we live a life according to his plan for us that we are guaranteed a life in him you can smile at that that, that is a truly amazing and wonderful thing is it not well, I got half of you to smile. That was good. Let's try the other half now. That's a truly amazing thing, isn't it? Not there are so many things in our lives that we talk about our future, we don't know. When we talk about our lives, we don't know. We talk about relationships, we don't know. There's so many things that are unknown in our world that we have to deal with that are thrown at us. And yet here is this hope that we have in God, and it is a guarantee. It will come to fruition. It will happen. There will be an eternity with God. God. So no matter what life throws at us, around us, no matter what we have to deal with, this we can hold on to. Does that give you joy? Oh, it should give us joy. Contentment. Hope. And ability to traverse all of the things that we have to in this world. Because our future is Guaranteed. So what does your future hold? Well, we don't know. Not in this lifetime. But we can be accomplishing God's plan for us in this lifetime. We can be doing what God wants for us. And we can be living like the day and hour is unknown. I want to close by reading in Timothy, if you'd like to turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 11. Give you a second to get there, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is alone, is immortal, and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, To him be honor and might forever.